Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there is a reason I start the show the way that I do, meaning that I don't, like, introduce myself. I don't kind of take time to kind of do a bunch of setup. You know, I, I, don't, I don't kind of go slowly as an on-ramp to the content. I try to get right into the content each and every day. I always do that. I've kind of always done that. And there is a reason why I do things that way is because in my mind, I've sort of always found it helpful to have a composite listener in mind. Now, we have video now, some of you are viewers, but you know what I'm saying. Sort of a composite consumer of Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And the composite I have in my mind of the kind of person that consumes this show, now this is not everybody, but this is just the picture I have in my mind. It is a guy who raises a big family and runs a small business. In other words, this is a busy dude. I sort of think about like a HVAC technician with three kids. Now, not everybody listening to this show is a man, and not everybody that listens to this show runs a business, and not everybody listening to this show has a big family. Uh, some of you are too young for that. Some of you are kind of on the other side of that. Uh, you know, not everybody's the same. But I do find it helpful to have a composite listener in mind when I create the content to do this show. And the kind of person that I think about is a very busy person, doesn't have time for a lot of nonsense, and will never give me feedback. Here's the thing that's kind of tricky when you do a show like this. 99.9% of the people who will ever consume what I do here on this program will never tell me one thing about it. Do do they like it? Do they not like it? Do they wish this was different or that was different? They'll never say anything. If I waste their time, they'll just stop listening. So that's why I start the show the way that I do because I am mindful of the kind of busy people that consume the content that we produce around here. Now, I say all of that to say this. The general level of busyness that the average Georgia fan has, I think, serves him or her pretty well. I believe it gives them some perspective. In other words, you know, they're thinking about their own life. They're thinking about their own struggles, successes, whatever else. They don't have time to obsess over every little thing with UGA. They love the program. They're happy when the team wins. They're, they're sad when the team loses. They want to follow all the news that's out there. But they just don't have time to sit there and wallow in some of the same kind of stuff. And I think that perspective kind of serves them well. Now, here's what you already know. There is a certain pocket of Georgia fans that I am left to assume just must not be quite so busy. They seem to have a little bit more time to argue online. And that idle time, I think, becomes a real pain in the neck for a lot of us. If we're just going to be really frank and honest here, there is a pocket of Georgia fans with a lot of free time and they make message boards toxic, they make comment sections toxic, they spew all kinds of rancid garbage all over social media, and they just kind of make life a little bit more difficult for the force, for the folks who are kind of forced to pay attention to them. Listen, I ain't mad at them. It just sort of is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. They just sort of exist. And like, here's the thing I've kind of tried to decide here, is that ultimately um, there is very little I can do to convince someone who has a toxic conversation around Georgia football to be less toxic. Honestly, there's just very little I can do to convince them of that one way or another. All I can hope to do, my only professional ambition is, is that as I do this show around here, I kind of create something that is just a little bit more enjoyable for the average Georgia fan who, as I said before, you know, 
big family, small business, very busy people, you know, running around trying to take care of their life who just don't have time for sort of the gross level of toxicity that seems to be the favorite pastime of other kind of people. Now, the problem with all this is when there is a big news day, some of the behavior of some Georgia fans is just going to get noticed. Yesterday was one of those big news days. Uh, as expected, JT Daniels, I always love to try and drop that phrase in, as expected, makes me feel smart. Uh, as expected, JT Daniels entered the transfer portal and then maybe somewhat surprising, although there were at least enough rumors about this that we addressed it on the show exactly a week ago, Jermaine Burton entered the transfer portal as well. Concurrent to that, Stetson Bennett announced his plan to return. And all of this creates this level of hysteria around Georgia football that, frankly, I just find to be a little bit embarrassing. Um, now, it doesn't affect my life necessarily, but to the extent that we all kind of wear the same colors, the same Georgia G, the fact that you see some people kind of behaving that way, it just kind of makes you roll your eyes a little bit. And listen, the people that you probably care about the most as a Georgia fan, they kind of notice this stuff a little bit there as well. So in light of Burton going to the portal, in light of uh, Daniels going to the portal, Stetson Bennett coming back, let's face it, let's be candid, Bennett's been a controversial figure now for a couple of years around Georgia football. That was very interesting what Cedric Van Praan said on Twitter yesterday and kind of what Jamari Salyer said to amplify that. In fact, let me show you this on the screen here for a moment. And as a Georgia fan, which I am, boy, I don't this doesn't sound too good to my ears, look too good to my eyes to go on Twitter and see Cedric Von Prong Granger saying, some of the things I'm reading here are sickening. Uh, SVP saying that in relationship to what folks were reacting to with the transfer portal stuff and the Bennett decision to come back yesterday. And Jamari Salyer says, yes, this is ridiculousness, he calls it. And Listen, you know, I hate the idea of that, the fact that these Georgia players feel like they're at odds with Georgia fans. Now, this is not unique to Georgia. A lot of fan bases can kind of be like this from time to time. But the fact that these Georgia players are noticing all this, you know, I just find that to be pretty bothersome. And, you know, I just hate that, right? And ultimately, as I said before, I can't really do anything to make toxic people less toxic. I just don't believe that I can. But I can try to have a sensible conversation for those who kind of do want to be sensible. So let me try to do this here for a few minutes related to less than two weeks after Georgia wins the national championship, the news that Jermaine Burton's going to the transfer portal, JT Daniels going to the transfer portal, and obviously Stetson Bennett is coming back, which is kind of a continuation of what has been a little bit of a controversial uh, conversation happening around him. First of all, let me completely acknowledge something because you know, not everybody who lets a negative feeling creep in around something like this is a bad person. That's not in any way what I'm trying to say. Here is an honest truth that I'm more than happy to acknowledge. There's a feeling that kind of exists around Georgia football that it's more fun to play defense in this program than it is to play offense in this program. And I think that's probably true. And I think it's okay to admit that. And I think it's probably okay to say, hey, maybe in future years, there ought to be a little bit more balance in who seems to be having the most fun. I mean, it's probably not that big of a surprise to most Georgia fans that when a big decision was made to return for a senior year, it was made by a guy like, say, Nolan Smith on the defensive side of the ball or a super senior guy like Christopher Smith also on the defensive side of the ball. Now, it's great news that those two guys are coming back, Tyke Smith there as well. It's great news you get those returning players. But for the average Georgia fan, had you asked them a year ago, hey, 12 months from now, a big player is going to make a decision to come back for UGA. Will it be offense? Will it be defense? I think most fans would have probably assumed it'd be defense, and that's what turns out to be true. The same way a year ago, guys like Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis you know, kind of provide that version. And yet, concurrent to that, when 
a junior leaves to go to the NFL draft in years past before the transfer portal kind of really got cranked up, sometimes we we'll have to scratch our head and say, wow, isn't there more work to be done? Seems kind of weird they want to jettison the program. Think about Jake Fromm or Michael Hardman or Riley Ridley or Isaac Nada, uh, Elijah Holyfield. A lot of guys have left this program when they could have come back, and you're kind of left to wonder, wait, are they just not having fun playing offense for Georgia? Is that why they are leaving? I think that's a fair thing to acknowledge. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying – Man, it sort of seems like the defensive guys are having more fun than the offensive guys. And even after Georgia wins a national championship, maybe that's the kind of thing that that Georgia ought to see about doing something about. I also don't think there's anything wrong with admitting losing Jermaine Burton is a big deal. Like Jermaine Burton's decision to now depart from UGA is the kind of thing that um, that matters. I mean, I would like to have Jermaine Burton back for Georgia football next season and Figuring out what you do now that he's gone is a is a pretty big conversation for for Georgia to be able to have. And you see on the screen there the announcement from Burton, the fact that he's going into the uh, into the transfer portal. It's not good to lose Jermaine Burton. This is not the kind of thing I'm just going to kind of shrug off and say next man up. You do want to ask some questions about that. But here's the other thing, and to the sensible Georgia fan who wants to have a sensible conversation, hopefully this kind of serves that purpose here a little bit. There is only so much patience I'm going to have with people who are mad at Kirby Smart because he is not totally constructing a program to, to, to satisfy the whim of every player in this program. It, it is probably true that Burton is leaving to go get more stats somewhere else. That's his prerogative to do so, and you know I hope it you know, kind of works out for him. But the idea that I'm then going to turn around to Todd Munkin and say, you're wrong. You messed up because you didn't give Jermaine Burton as many stats as he wants. I'm sorry. That's just not how college football works. And as much as things are changing, it ain't changing that much. That the mission of the team is still more important than Jermaine Burton's personal ambition. And listen, I like Jermaine and I love Terrence Edwards, Jermaine's mentor. Terrence will be on the show with us here in just a little bit. But I think it's appropriate that we have honest conversation here uh, f- you know, f- for a moment. The Georgia's job is to, is to do something that works the entire team. It's not its job to serve any individual player. And if, in, if individual accolades is your mission, then you probably will be better served to go get that somewhere else. Now, you'll come back and then you'll say, well, B.A., what about NFL aspirations? You know, the guys, they want touches because they want to go to the NFL draft. It is total you know, nonsense that in the current system that Georgia's running, as successful as it was this year, that a player like Jermaine Burton isn't showcasing himself for the NFL draft if he plays as well as he's capable of playing. In other words, and sometimes you just sort of have to be very candid here for a moment. If Jermaine Burton was a great player, it would be obvious. It's obvious that he's a good player. We know that for a fact. But if he was a great player, it'd be obvious. If he wanted the kind of stats that he thinks he deserves, he'd be like Brock Bowers. Because Brock Bowers is a great player, and Brock Bowers is putting up great stats. That, that There is no quarterback deficiency that's going to bother Brock Bowers. There is no offensive philosophy that's going to impede Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is a great player. He set records this year because his greatness cannot be hidden. Jermaine Burton is a good player. Now, he may go somewhere else and put up bigger numbers, but that won't make him a better player. It'll just make him a, a more prolific player in the stat sheet. And as far as the notion of that getting the level of touches he's getting in a place like Georgia is somehow harming him for the NFL draft, let's be real here for a moment. Let's go back and look at another NFL player uh, just for a second. I thought about this this morning. Uh, Demarius, Thomas, uh, Demarius Thomas, former Georgia Tech uh, wide receiver, former uh, Denver Bronco, obviously uh, in a very sad situation, passed away recently. Um, you know, uh, Thomas 
obviously very sad with his passing. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm just talking about him as a football player for a moment. Thomas played at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson. As a freshman in 2007, got 35 catches. As a freshman, a sophomore in 2008, got 39 catches. As a junior in 2009, on an option football team, running the ball all the time, got 46 catches for 1,154 yards, averaged 25.1 yards per catch. That's an option football team. That's a brand of football from the night. You think what Georgia does now is conservative. Go back and look at the Paul Johnson era from, you know, uh, 07, 08, 09. Yet if you're a truly great player, you're going to thrive no matter what system you're in. Uh, uh, Thomas was a first-round pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, 22nd overall, something like that. He was the first receiver taken off the board. So the first receiver off the board in the 2010 NFL Draft was a guy playing in a triple-option Paul Johnson offense. You know why? Because if you're a truly great player, it doesn't matter what system that you're in. And as a lot of these players out there today kind of you know, take advantage of their one-time transfer opportunity and kind of fall in love with every person who promises them the grass is going to be greener somewhere else, I hope there is somebody else in the life of some of these players saying, you know what? Things may not be quite as true as you think they are. And the biggest lie we tell any player is this notion that the thing standing in the way of you and greatness is some sort of external factor. A coach who doesn't like you, an offense that doesn't showcase you, or whatever else, all of that's the kind of thing that unscrupulous coaches tell players as a way of prying them off of somebody else's roster. And frankly, my patience with that only kind of runs so far. Then there's this. The JT Daniels situation. Daniels goes in the transfer portal as of yesterday, and this was not unexpected. When Mike Griffith joined us on Wednesday, we talked openly about the idea that Daniels was likely heading to the portal because that's what Griffith had reported at dognation.com that he was supposed to do. Now, let me say this about that. That over the course of this year, there was quite a debate that raged among a pocket of Georgia fans who just absolutely believed that Daniels was the right option for Georgia and a pocket of Georgia fans, I would say this is the majority of Georgia fans, overwhelming majority of Georgia fans, I believe, that were content to trust Kirby Smart when he said Stetson Bennett gives us the best chance to win. That was what the argument was like all year long. Now, ultimately, we don't know how Daniels would have played had he gotten a chance to start. Had he regained his starting job after coming back from injury? We don't know. We can never know that. That'll always be kind of a hypothetical situation. But we certainly can't prove Kirby Smart wrong when he said that Stetson Bennett gave us the best chance to win because Georgia did win the national championship. And in a lot of ways, for a lot of folks, this kind of reminds you of something that happened years ago around here. Do you remember the Jake Fromm-Justin Fields debate? And I remember we were still relatively new into our dog nation life at the time when the Fromm-Fields debate was going on. And frankly, some days when I was watching the social media kind of square off on this, when I was uh, watching the way in which the comment sections on our shows would just get taken over by the most um, uh, uh, aggressive arguing back and forth, frankly, it was pretty concerning, especially when you kind of think about how some of those battle lines were sometimes drawn. It was actually pretty concerning. Yet over the course of time, the from fields debate, believe it or not, actually helped restore my faith in humanity at least a little bit. I'm not exaggerating. I'm being somewhat serious when I say that because ultimately here's what happened Georgia chose Jake Fromm Jake Fromm did not have a great year in 2019 Justin Fields went on to Ohio State had two very good years there for the Buckeyes eventually got drafted in the first round Jake Fromm's NFL future you know nowhere near quite as promising as what Fields appears to be right now in other words I saw a lot of people 
who back in 2018 believed that Fromm was the better quarterback, and yet once the scoreboard dictated that Fields was the better guy, they changed their mind. In kind of a cool way, this is kind of a nice thing about sports. Like, politics doesn't really have this. One of the reasons why the, poli- the political arguments are so frustrating is nobody ever concedes defeat. Everybody always has some sort of set of facts they believe argue their point of view. There is no scoreboard in politics that everybody agrees on. That's one of the reasons why the political arguments can just be so maddening. However, in sports, we do have a big old scoreboard, and it's right there in the middle of the field for everybody to pay attention to. And I think the sort of general consensus that sports fans have, the thing that keeps us to be kind of a civilized society is scoreboard rules overall. I may have thought Fromm was better than Fields, but once Fields goes on to do the things that he did, once Jake goes on to do the things that he did post-Fields, scoreboard dictates that Justin Fields was the better player, and that's the thing that rules the day. And ultimately, that is what most people did in the Fromm-Fields debate. Now, yeah, you got a few folks kind of hang on to their old point of view because pride, whatever else. But for the most part, people were content to let the scoreboard rule who was right in that argument. And if we did that back then, I think you got to do this right now. Not between Bennett and Daniels, but between the pro-Daniels camp and the people who are skeptical of Kirby Smart. A lot of folks believe Daniels would have been the better quarterback. Kirby Smart said Stetson Bennett gave us the best chance to win. We'll never know how right Kirby Smart was. But I believe, based on just sort of the general law of sports fandom, we have no right to question him because he has scoreboard on his side. Now, next year, if something else happens and suddenly Smart doesn't have that scoreboard anymore, then maybe some things become a little bit more fair. But in light of what happened this year, no one has any ability, I believe, to argue anything with Kirby Smart based on the way he handled this team because the scoreboard rules overall in sports, and Georgia is the reigning national champion. So that's a little bit of a thought on the Burton situation, a little bit of a thought on the Daniel situation. As far as the decision to by Stetson Bennett to come back, I think there's more to be said about that there as well, so let me do that after I introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And by the way, I'm so glad that our producer, Michael Carvel, if you're watching on video, if you look on the desk in front of me, he has put our Dog National Champions logo on that desk. I never thought we'd need to be reminded of this as much as we do, but I'm very glad to have that sign on our desk as a uh, way of just kind of uh, just kind of reminding us that things are actually pretty good around here, no matter how much some people may want to kind of drag you into the mud. Things are actually pretty good. But nonetheless, we're live on video 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcast form, wherever you find them, including the world famous dognation.com. Happy to have all of you uh, with us on that. Of course, happy to have our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce, who bring it all to you. And let's, let's face it, <laughs> you know, the, uh, Sometimes the conversation around Georgia football can be a little bit maddening, and I, I get all of that. But listen, there's an actual worse conversation that some of you find yourself going through right now, and I don't say this flippantly. I don't, I don't say this casually. Some of you know that 2022 may be the year in which you have to confront the likelihood that the relationship that you're in, your marriage, is just coming to an end. It's been severed. It's been broken. And you know, you've tried to do the things you can to save it, but nothing seems to be working. Well, let's face it. You only get one chance to live this life, so setting yourself up for more happiness, more enjoyable times in the season to come, 
It's a decision that you got to think very, very carefully about, and you need to be aware of how the law can work to your advantage if you are considering a divorce process. So my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, and they truly are my friends, Bob and Ashley, uh, came over to see us uh, at the event we did at Creature Comforts this past weekend. Uh, they were there, you know, hanging out and joined the national championship celebration, came over and had a beer with us. Uh, I, I love spending time with them. These are good people. These are, these are folks that uh, have built an organization that cares for people and, and tries to be alongside people in one of the most challenging times they're ever going to go through. That's why I love recommending Meriwether and Tharp on the show. They got free resources for you, free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. You can be educated on the divorce process and you can truly be armed with the information you need to know what's right for you in the next phase of your life. It's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the website. The Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, so we'll get Terrence Edwards coming up in a moment. My guess is Terrence is going to have a lot to say today. If I had to guess, I believe Terrence is going to come shot out of a cannon here in a couple of minutes because Jermaine Burton is his guy. So one way or another, we're about to get an earful from Mr. Edwards, and I think that's the kind of thing that we need to hear. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServePro. Now, we don't need to sugarcoat this. Stetson Bennett's decision to return to Georgia was not received as good news by everybody. And I have told you before that I kind of view two things. Yeah, there you go. There's the one more year for, for uh, Stetson Bennett uh, coming back here for 20, uh, the 2022 season. Um, I believe there are two things that are true about Stetson Bennett. Actually, maybe three things. That Bennett is a remarkable story. I, I, I truly do think you can make a movie about it. That's how good I think it'd be. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I, I do believe you can make a, uh, a, a movie about this. Uh, I also believe that um, not only is it a story for football in general, kind of alongside what a, you know, like a, almost like what a Kurt Warner would have done or something like that, not only is it similar to that, the kind of thing you can make a movie about, he is also on the top shelf of UGA football history. He brought a national championship back to Georgia. Got to be revered forever for having done so. I, I truly believe that most Georgia fans feel the same way. I also believe that in the present tense, Georgia ought to have an open quarterback competition for the 2022 season. I think that Bennett's presence in that competition is welcome. A veteran guy who's helped lead you to a national championship, of course you'd want a guy like that to come back and be a part of all of this. And yet the door should also be open for a young player like a Brock Vandegrift or a Carson Beck, someone like that, to overtake Bennett and win that job. And just to be frank, if Bennett is as suspect, uh, sussy as the kids would say, if he's as suspect as uh, some of y'all think that he is, then it shouldn't be that hard for somebody to come in here and beat him out or for a transfer player to want to come into this program and kind of you know do what, what JT Daniels fell short of being able to do, which is overtake Stetson Bennett and be the guy for this team here next year. It ought to be an open competition. I, I believe that it will be. But beyond that, I, I still think it's kind of amazing how much some people, even even people who are generally speaking, I would say pretty sensible, how much some people seem to kind of disregard what Georgia did this year. And I don't mean just winning the national championship. I mean specifically what Georgia did offensively. Let me show you a screen that I put together. This is from a website I find to be invaluable. It's called cfbstats.com. It is just very easily searchable, very easily manageable. I literally just put their graphic on the screen because I feel like this website works so well. I don't get anything for showing you this. I just want you to go check out the website, cfbstats.com. This is what Georgia ranked this year when it comes to points per game. And, Michael, if you don't mind, let's just leave this up for a minute. They were ninth at 38.6 points per game. Now, here are the teams that rank ahead of Georgia. 
Oklahoma was eighth. Tennessee was seventh. Bama was sixth. Coastal Carolina was fifth. Wake Forest was fourth. Pitt was third. Western Kentucky was second. Ohio State was first. Now, let me ask you a question that I don't, I'm not asking sarcastically. Which of those teams would you trade places with? Which of those teams, from an offensive standpoint, would you rather be? Now, I'm going to assume for the sake of conversation that you can eliminate the Coastal Carolinas and the Western Kentuckys. Those are not group of five teams. And I'm going to sort of assume that you would eliminate the Pitts and the Wakes, teams that kind of played a pillow-soft version of the sport there in the ACC. You know, Tennessee was a good offense in the SEC, but the fact of the matter is Georgia beat them easily. I'm assuming you would eliminate them there as well, which ultimately means when Georgia compares itself offensively, the average fan, I think what he's comparing the team to is Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. That those are the teams that most Georgia fans who follow this stuff pretty closely, those are the teams that most Georgia fans think are superior to UGA offensively. And they kind of wish that Georgia resembled those other programs from an offensive standpoint. However, it's worth pointing out that for as good as some of y'all think Oklahoma is offensively, they averaged 39.1 points per game this year playing in the Big 12. Georgia averaged 38.6 playing in the SEC. That less than a essentially a half point per game difference between Oklahoma and Georgia, and yet there's this belief that somehow Oklahoma is in this this rarefied territory that Georgia's not in. A lot of folks tell these legendary tales of the decision by Lincoln Riley to bench Spencer Rattler to go to, with Caleb Williams here this year, and we all remember that when it happened. But what a lot of folks don't remember is is that the same Oklahoma fans who were calling for Rattler to be benched for Caleb Williams were later on in the year calling for Caleb Williams to be benched in favor of returning back to, uh, to, to Spencer Rattler. And this idea that Oklahoma fans are way happier with their brand of offensive football than Georgia fans have been, if you're really following the day-to-day chat around college football, I actually don't think that's as true as some of y'all think that it is. In fact, there were some Oklahoma fans who actually weren't all that sad to see Lincoln Riley go because they were kind of tired of the same old, same old with that program. And it shouldn't be lost on you that given the chance to replace Lincoln Riley as head coach when he left for USC, Oklahoma went the direction of a defensive-minded guy in Brent Vittables. It's almost as if that program is willing to give that brand of football a try. Now, we did bring in Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator, but the situation around Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma the last few years I don't think is kind of as rosy as the average Georgia fan thinks it has been from several hundred miles away. I'll say the same thing about Alabama there as well. Bama averaged 39.9 points per game. That's just over one point per game more than Georgia. Yet if you listen to the average Georgia fan talk about the offensive output for UGA compared to the offensive output for Alabama, a lot of folks out like, act like Alabama was just lapping the field offensively over and over again with UGA, but the actual stat here kind of points to something different. Furthermore, there's this. When Kirby Smart lost to Alabama, and I promise we're about to get to Terrence Edwards in a moment. Let me just finish this point. When Kirby Smart lost to uh, Alabama in the 2017 National Championship game, he said, we're not going anywhere. We're coming back. And yet the popular narrative became, well, Kirby Smart thought he was coming back, but actually Alabama realized how much the sport had evolved and Alabama created an offensive juggernaut that Kirby Smart couldn't keep pace with. There are a lot of you that believe that there as well. But think about this. We've had four seasons since Kirby Smart said we're not going anywhere after losing to Alabama in a relatively low-scoring national championship game at the end of the 2017 season. We've had 2018, we've had 2019, we've had 2020, we've had 2021. Guess what? Alabama has won a national championship in one of those four years. Guess what Georgia has done? 
won a national championship in one of those four years. The high-powered Alabama offense in 2018, completely shut down by Clemson. The high-powered you know, uh, uh, Alabama offense in 2019 could not do enough defensively, gave up 48 points in a loss to LSU, 48 points in a, uh, in a loss to Auburn there that season, left out of the college football playoff. That high-powered offense in 2021, when they played Georgia in the national championship game, didn't really show up. Go to an Alabama message board right now. Look at what Alabama fans are saying about their own offense. This idea that there's a fan base out there that's happier than, than Georgia is about their own offense, it ain't Alabama. They want to fire Bill O'Brien, their offensive coordinator, for the performance in the national championship game. They hope he takes another job somewhere else because they don't like him. And then the other team there, Ohio State, and I'll just say this quickly. Ohio State hasn't won a national championship in seven years. They've been blown out in the playoff how many times? Yes, they've had a good offense, but pretty clearly they traded some defense for that. And I think the average Buckeye fan uh, is not that happy with the trade-off right now. So here's all I can tell you. I can't tell you how to feel about Stetson Bennett. One way or another, you can like him. You can not like him. Honestly, he, he's a big boy. I, I, you know, he, he's learned to en- endure all of that. The only thing I can tell you is this. For those of you that are not happy with what George is currently doing, and have this fantasy in your mind that somewhere somebody else is performing at such a high level that they're way happier than you are, I think if you spend as much time monitoring the college football conversation as I do, you'd just sort of realize that that level of happiness just doesn't exist for anybody. And maybe taking some time to appreciate what you do have, that might make some sense. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And obviously ServPro, the one you turn to when it comes to damage frequently caused by fire or water intrusion or something along those lines obviously can be the sign of uh the kind of thing that just makes you really just feel very disgusted right and you're scared about that you're worried about it you're like how is this ever going to be put back together well that is where the restoration specialists at serve pro kind of step in here they can put it all back together for you literally like it never even happened that's what they're famous for that's what they do each and every franchise individually owned and operated that means you're doing business with someone who has some skin in the game on all of this, they uh, are as just as uh, tied into a satisfactory outcome for you as you are. So the damage around your home, fire damage, water intrusion, things like that, get it put back together today, cleaned up today from our friends at ServPro. You can find them online, servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servepro.com. All right, so you've heard me talk on this long enough here today. A little long-winded, probably off the top. Uh, I think you want to hear what Terrence Edwards has to say about all this. Terrence is obviously a mentor to... Um, to Jermaine Burton, had some strong feelings on this topic a week ago, and now it's official uh, that uh, that Burton is in the transfer portal. Obviously, also, you know, Terrence, one of those guys that you know pays very close attention to how the rest of the conversation is happening around Georgia football. So there is a lot to say with him. We will do uh, some of that here in a moment. Also, one more thing to kind of get into uh, before we're done on the same topic there as well. I'll kind of dive back into something else that I believe the average fan may be misunderstanding a little bit when it comes to Georgia. So we'll try to see if we can keep pumping some facts in this conversation as a way to uh, get all this going. But expert opinion now from Terrence Edwards. Let's talk to him. It's a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Great to have Terrence part of the program here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with him. I'm a little late getting to him, so let me apologize to Terrence for that. But Terrence, we know your story here. You're a mentor to Jermaine Burton. When Burton announced his first college decision going back uh, years ago, he did so on your birthday. We talked last week about the rumor 
the possibility that Jermaine might leave, and now it appears that's going to happen. He is in the transfer portal now officially. What is your reaction to the fact that uh, Jermaine Burton is looking to move on from UGA? Uh, I was surprised at first uh, once I kind of uh, got wind of it. Uh, starting off BA from the top, you know, it, it kind of bothered me even a couple of days ago when Justin Robson decided to retire. And I read and people sent me screenshots of how class classless he was for announcing he was transferred on the day of the celebration. Like, I think a lot of Georgia fans and a lot of fans appear just go over the top with their conspiracy theories. Justin didn't decide to post he was transferring the day of just to knock Georgia. That's the day he decided. That's the day he told Mississippi State he was coming. So that's the day he decided to post it. So that had nothing to do with anything about Georgia when Justin decided to post his transfer destination. And then with Jermaine, what Jermaine, what bothers me about the whole situation is people want to call him a quitter or selfish. And I and I held some words back, but I, I just challenged everyone. Have you ever changed the job, B.A.? Have anyone ever changed the job to better themselves? If this young man feels him leaving Georgia for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into the reason he wants to leave. Whatever reason, if his family self feels this is the best situation for them, why can't he better himself? That's the part that I just don't get. He didn't do it before the season. He didn't opt out. He gave Georgia everything that he could and helped Georgia bring a national championship. And this how we repay, repay the young man because he decides that, you know, it's time for him to move on. We all move on in life from something. So are you a quitter? Or I am speaking to everyone who's listening, sure. who's tweeted or whatever that. Are you a quitter because – you wanted a different job for your family to better your family? Are you a quitter? Are you selfish to the coworkers that you left? That's what I don't get. And I just don't understand why sports and entertainment is the only ones that have to abide by certain rules that everyone else don't have to abide by. Like we don't get the opportunity to try to better ourselves and do what we feel is right for ourselves and our family. That's the part that I never get. I, I, I would love for someone uh, to tweet me or to what in this ask why do non athletes get to live by a different set of rules? And I'm not co- talking about everyone can have their opinion. Sure. You can talk about why you're leaving. We're in the entertainment business, so we're gonna win the face of people. So you're gonna have your opinion. But once you start like disrespecting the kid, because him a quitter and self is a he's all about himself. Are you about yourself when you try to make a decision for your wife and kids? Are you thinking about them or you thinking about your coworkers? That's the part I don't get, but you know, that's my rant for the day. And uh, it may come out again, but that 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 part that just not for this young man, but all the kids that's transferred. Mm-hmm. I don't really agree with the portal. My father always taught my brother and I, uh, you know, if you start some, you go finish it. You may change after the season, but you're not gonna quit. You're not gonna leave during mid season. So I don't I necessarily don't like the portal. I wish the portal could be changed some type of way. Uh, but that's the type of rules that we live in. I think Alabama benefited the most last year with Jameson Williams because he's a dynamic, dynamic wide receiver, and it changed their offense. Um, so I think everybody now is going to do the portal thing. Everyone is going to leave, and I think every school is going to benefit. We benefited for, yeah. for uh, Darren Kendrick. Yeah from the porter come in and help us. So we're going to lose some. We're going to 
uh, gang sign. That's just the way it is. But just for these kids to be vilified like this is just un- uncalled for and unnecessary. No, I think your opinion is really valuable, and I'm glad that you're being as candid as you are. And I want to make sure that everything I you know, have said I, I give you a chance to kind of respond to there as well. Obviously, Jermaine has the opportunity to go wherever he wants. That's what the one-time transfer rule provides for you. And if he wants to go somewhere to, for really whatever his reason is, he has every right to do that. The one thing, that though, that does frustrate me a little bit, Terrence, is, and this is not necessarily frustrated with Burton in particular, but just maybe the circumstances around these kind of transfers, I simply don't believe it's true that Burton has to go somewhere else in order to showcase himself for NFL draft scouts. I cited the example of Demarius Thomas a moment ago, the late, great Demarius Thomas, who, even playing in a triple option offense at Georgia Tech, became the first receiver taken in the 2010 NFL draft. Also, players in this current Georgia offense that, by the way, did score 40 points per game, you know, a guy like Brock Bowers, a truly great player, has emerged as truly great in this system that that Georgia's in right now with Stetson Bennett throwing the football, a, a guy that some folks would tell you is deficient. It hasn't stopped Brock Bowers from being great. So I guess the one thing I have a little bit of concern about, and this is the thing I'm hoping you'll respond to, is this notion that there might be from other schools or something like that, someone in Burton's ear saying, oh, you have to get away from Georgia in order to be as great on the NFL level as 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 you can be, I simply don't believe that's factually true. What would you say in response to that? I agree with that. I don't think you necessarily have to have these gaudy stats to be thought of as a high draft pick. But uh, like I told someone earlier, kids and parents love stats, and that's starting from the youth football level. Um, so, you know, I can't fault a kid that wants to go out and have an opportunity to showcase his talent. And I know – all the people that actually knows football and has been in professional ranks, it's not about stats. I'm the all-time leader receiver in Georgia history, and I, I went undrafted. So it's not about stats. It's about what the NFL people think of your potential talent on the NFL level. So I agree with you on that. But in the day, these are still kids. They still want, want to go out and perform and put up 1,000-yard season, just get opportunity to showcase their talent. So I, I agree with you on that. It's not – Stats is not stats is not what gets you drafted. Your potential and your talent what gets you drafted. So, also as somebody that represents work, I should say works with. That's the better way to say this. That works with a lot of wide receivers that are making college decisions all the time, including some guys that are coming to Georgia. I mean, what do you think right now about the pitch that Georgia is making to wide receivers? Because it is just a fact that you know Burton is one of the small handful of truly elite prospects that Georgia's kind of signed at that receiver position over the course of the last few years. Cortez Hankton signed a few, but but not as many great wide receivers get signed as, as, as great recruits at some of the other positions there as well. What do you make, even within the context of all the success that Georgia's enjoying, what do you make right now of the way in which Georgia is pitching itself to future wide receiver recruits? Well, I mean, you just look at it. One thing that they can pitch is you're going to be in the, in the running for winning the SEC East. Uh, playing in the SEC title game each year and possibly making it to the playoffs. So if you want success, team success, we're going to do the things we see fit to uh, make you become better men off the field and better and a better player on the field. And, uh, you know, they, they have a philosophy. Kirby has a philosophy that he believes is going to work. And it worked. I mean, you, you cannot, you know, say it doesn't because we are the 2021 national champs. Uh, but in a day, B.A., kids still love, Stats. They still like to go out and look at themselves, and I played the position. I looked at my stats. I still look at them to this day. And, uh, you know, you have to sell the Georgia program right now. 
Uh, but if you look deeper into the stats like I had, Georgia, I tweeted this recently at the time, Georgia had 37 touchdown passes. And we was third, tied for second in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So you have to really dig deep into the numbers uh, before you really, really make an educated guess on what the Georgia offense is or isn't. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And I tried to address this a little bit before you joined us, is that I really do think there's a pocket of fans that think there is a level of offense being played across the country right now that's way higher than what Georgia did this year. Now, 2019 LSU, they did that, but that's a few years ago now. 2020 Alabama did that, and you know they had a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver and obviously a first-round quarterback, but the truth is that's also a pandemic year in which nobody, not even really Georgia, was playing very much defense at all, so I'm not really quite so sure what to make about that. But here in 2021, the usual suspects of like Alabama and Oklahoma and you know Ohio State, it's not like their fans were just kind of over the moon, excited about everything those teams were doing either. I mean, Alabama scored 20 points against LSU, uh, scored, what, 15 or however many against Georgia in the national championship game, scuffled against Auburn. Oklahoma had to bench Spencer Rattler. There were some fans by the end of the year that wanted to bench Caleb Williams, that that there's actually not this, like, uh, Garden of Eden where, where these teams are scoring 100 points per game. There really aren't very many teams in the country playing better offense than what Georgia played this year, and I just don't think that some people quite realize how true that is. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, if you look at stats, I think we average like 38 points or something like that. But, you know, you also got to give credit to the defense of putting uh, the offense in position to score. But that's a team game. That's So that's part of having a good team. You, you wouldn't see – I think people criticize uh, Mike Bobo a few times where our offense averaged a lot of points and our defense wasn't that good, then vice versa. So now we got a very good defense and, a, and an offense that – can be explosive at times, but it just doesn't look the same as what Alabama LSU did. But when you really deep down and, and get into the second-level stats, Georgia offense is very explosive. It just doesn't look the same as the LSU a, a couple of years ago and Alabama of the recent years. It just doesn't look the same because we run the ball more and we don't have those 1,000-yard receivers. But second-level stats says we're just as explosive as those teams. I think that's exactly right. This is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider update with uh, Terrence Edwards right now. And by the way, you know, you can't necessarily be a, a college football insider the way that Terrence Edwards is, former great player and a uh, really good coach there as well. But you certainly can be an insider when it comes to Marlowe's Tavern. There are a lot of benefits that come along with that there as well. Uh, because when you get a chance to kind of dive in, be a part of that, when you join the Insider Club, you're going to get all kinds of incentives for uh, doing so. Uh, you can go to marlowstavern.com to get signed up for this. You can download the Marlowe's app there as well. When you do so, you're going to get $10 off a $30 order just for signing up. Now, when you dine in the Marlowe's Tavern, you spend at least $15 on food and beverages, you're going to earn a qualified visit. When you get four of those, you're going to get a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. And you can redeem that at any of your favorite uh, Marlowe's Taverns, including the one right there in your own neighborhood. You can also get special offers for your birthday there as well. So it's marlowstavern.com to find out more about how you can become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. All right, Terrence, a couple of things before we let you go here. Thing number one is this. So I've said before, in light of Daniels leaving and Stetson Bennett coming back and obviously some collection of the young quarterbacks being here and who knows what may happen in the transfer portal, that for as much as I – I mean, I will have respect for Stetson Bennett for the rest of my life because of how he played this year. MVP of the Orange Bowl, MVP of the National Championship game. That's kind of a no-questions-asked type performance for me. However, 
I still want there to be an open competition at quarterback for next season. I'm fine with giving Bennett the first reps the first day of spring practice. That seems to make some sense. But beyond that, let the best man win, whoever that might be, currently on the roster or not. Uh, what do you think about the future at quarterback for UGA? Because even though some people take the t- conversation in kind of a weird area, it is a fair topic to discuss. Right, right. I, I definitely agree. Yes, I think uh, Spetson is uh, get the first team reps, but Kirby's always said that he's, in his mind, he's going to play the players that give us the best chance. That's what he have have said to us. Um, do I think uh, Carson Beck uh, would get an opportunity? I, I truly don't. I think it's the, the the young me. I think Brock Vandergriff and Garner Stockton. It's the future of Georgia football. I think um, they're going to get a, a really a hard look. Uh, do I anticipate uh, Stetson starting the first game against Oregon? Yes, I do. I anticipate him being the guy. Uh, but I also hope and wish that, you know, the future is, is those two young guys and they get all the opportunity to compete for that job uh, during the spring and during the summer and during the fall. Uh, but I, I really do. I watched Gunner twice this year when Pace Academy played uh, Brock, and uh, I think he is what we all want in a football player. Tough, plays position like a linebacker, strong, uh, big. Everybody was questioning his height, but at the All-Star game, he was listed at 6'1", 214, um, and has a cannon of um. And I really love Brock, so I think we got two young quarterbacks that uh, we're going to have a, a great competition, but I do anticipate Stetson being, being the starter against Oregon game one. Mm-hmm. So let's finish with this. There's also been a lot of chatter. It seems like uh, Cortez Hankton making it official that he was leaving was 100 years ago now, but it was really only a few days ago. And there's a lot of talk that comes up about, hey, maybe a former Georgia player like yourself, because obviously we know the work that you're doing not only with you know, current receivers you know, like uh, in your personal coaching, but also on the staff there at Pace Academy. And Heinz Ward name comes up here, there as well. And since we've talked about it on the show, it only seems fair that we'd ask you about it there as well. I mean, you know, like, like, what do you think your future is? Is being a coach at the college level something that you would like to be a part of at any point in time in your life, knowing that you got kids and you got, you know, obviously a lot going on here? I mean, what is your own idea about what you'd like for your future to be, Terrence? Of course, I would love to, to coach on the college level. I would love to uh, go to Georgia as the receiver coach or at some capacity. I would love that. That would be the sweetest thing. Uh, I think for me and my family, uh, my wife is a Georgia uh, alumnus. My kids love it. You know, everyone knows my brother, my brother's wife, Tracy. My wife's mother uh, went to grad school. So my whole family is Georgia. We we bleed red and black. And, and if that's in, in the cards, I would love it. Uh, do I love what I do now? I love coaching at Pace Academy. I was the offense coordinator at Pace Academy this year. I love doing my wide receiver training, uh, developing young kids to young men. Uh, a la Jermaine. Uh, Jermaine started me in the eighth grade. Justin Robinson started me in the eighth grade. Eric started me in the ninth grade. So I love developing mm-hmm. kids. So I think my my uh, knock as a coach is a developer, and I would love to be on the college level to uh, to to do that. But one thing that I'm not going to do is I have a wife and kids, I have family. So I know people always say, "Well, you got to start, you know, at the bottom." I would, you know. Don't mind starting at the bottom, just for, but economically, I have a, a wife and kids to take sure. care of. And right now, I'm not, you know, doing very well for myself. Uh, but if the, if the right things come along and my family is good with it, I would love to uh, 
especially be the receiver coach at Georgia. I would love no more than be the receiver coach at Georgia. Well, listen, I can tell you this. You got a lot of folks rooting for you uh, for whatever your professional ambition is coming up after that because we love the impact that you're making. By the way, a lot of folks are also very happy with some of those Pace Academy guys that have been at Georgia the last few years too. So uh, I think a lot of folks say, hey, keep that pipeline going to uh, Athens there as well because there are a lot of good players coming through that program. Very quick, and I promise I'll let you go, uh, there was also the photo that we saw this past weekend of a very happy, smiling Arik Gilbert after the uh, national championship celebration on Saturday. I know that's a guy that you know well. How happy were you to see Gilbert seemingly enjoying himself as much as he is? We'll save the conversation about what kind of impact he could make on Georgia in 2022. We'll save that for some other time to come. But how happy did it make you to see him happy this past weekend? You know what, B.A., for all the, the things that that young man has been through, and I tweeted this, and I'm just happy to see that smile again. Uh, I know folks, and, and he appreciates all the Dog Nation, the true Dog Nation fans that really prayed for him and really appreciate, you know, giving him his privacy and let him work through all the things that he needs to work through. Uh, I asked Dog Nation just to do that, just continue to pray for this young man. And you saw that picture of him smiling. That comes from all the prayers from the Dog Nation. His family appreciates that. Uh, I appreciate that. He's just a young man that is uh, just continue praying for him. Uh, I told him the other day, ball will come. Just continue to continue to get yourself in a, a happy place. And he's done that. So uh, what he's going to do on the field, we can talk about that later. But he's in class uh, fulfilling his academic obligations right now. Terrence, you are a good man. Thank you so much for your thoughts here today. Appreciate you being here on the uh, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And by the way, just real quick, tell folks how they can get in touch with that uh, wide receiver academy that you're working on and a part of each and every day because we do love the work that you're doing out there for uh, that next generation of pass catchers. So uh, give a shout-out to that there as well if you don't mind. You know, uh, on Tuesday, we started up officially Terrence Elks Wide Receiver Academy at the Famous Bubble. Uh, we're, we're there tonight from 6 to 7.30 get the next generation of receivers ready to endure another high school season and some uh, get ready for, for college. So you can find me on all social media, Terrence Edwards, Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, appreciate it. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, B.A. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. You know, listen, I have certainly <laughs> – no uh, uh, shyness about saying that I am a blowhard that speaks into a microphone for a living. And hearing only my voice in a show like this over and over again can probably get a little tiresome. So I do want different perspectives shared. And I don't think there's any more valuable, valuable perspective on a day like this than when a guy like Jermaine Burton is in the news as prominently as he is. And make no mistake, it's the Burton thing yesterday that sets all of this off. That's all of the chatter that's existed over the last 24 hours. It's really the Burton thing that sets all that off. Um, having the guy that's been that close to Jermaine all these years to kind of kind of come in here and share his thoughts. And listen, uh, Terrence is not one of these guys that pulls punches. You heard a couple times him saying, no, I believe that, uh, you know, ba- basically questioning the, the efficacy of the transfer port a little bit. This is not a guy that's going to, like, exist to sort of prop his own guys up and pat them on the back at all costs. He's going to stand by his guys. So you heard him doing that. But in terms of the direction that college football is going, you know, Terrence doesn't love all that. You heard him say that right there. But – no matter where it kind of comes in on the uh, discussion, clearly a very valuable perspective, someone who's been a big influence in the life of a lot of the guys who've been on the Georgia roster and guys who will be in the years to come. And this is one of the reasons why I like football so much. And I promise we'll get on with the rest of the show after this.
is that there are people like Terrence who are just making it their life's work. And, you know, Robert there, you know, with the work that he's doing there at the Riverwood program and, you know, has done other programs there as well. They are just putting in the effort to just make the next generation of men in our society better because of their connection to the game of football. That's really, really important. That is ultimately what football is about. Yes, it's entertainment, and some of us gamble on it, or some of us, you know, watch it on TV or use it as an excuse to hang out with buddies or whatever else. But ultimately, the reason why football is so popular is because a lot of folks just sort of believe that that's good for society to have football reinforcing a lot of these values. And you don't get those values reinforced if you don't have men in the game who are reinforcing that kind of thing. And so I think Georgia's lucky to have some coaches in the roster to do that. I think we're lucky in our state to have a bunch of coaches spread out all across metro Atlanta area, down in South Georgia, everywhere else, up in North Georgia that kind of do the same thing. That is ultimately what football is all about. And that's the kind of football around here that I hope we get a chance to celebrate. With all that said, let's transition here go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of iFriends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously 2022, a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, taking advantage of, I mean, some of the stuff that you see on board on these Royal Caribbean cruise ships is just remarkable. The, you know, you got these really cool slides and, and you got the, uh, like the, the really cool like bars and lounges you can kind of go to. There's an ice skating rink, there's a aqua theater, there's a, you know, uh, just a zip line. There's all kinds of just really cool things that you have a chance to enjoy when you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Really, it's kind of redefined what entertainment means on board in the cruise industry. That's really what Royal Caribbean has become famous for. So it's the time now to think about booking your Royal Caribbean cruise. The time to do that is by checking out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. A, they're UGA grads, so fun to do business with them. B, just great to be with folks who understand you know, all the ins and outs that can make your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation very special. So check them out online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. 770-952-8300. Our friends, the Cruise Vacation Authority, telling you everything you need to know about Royal Caribbean cruises and all the fun we're going to be having with them here in 2022. All right, let's transition here. Uh, cruise around the SEC now, courtesy of uh, Royal Caribbean. And I said this earlier, and I don't mean this, uh, anything other than absolutely factual. Alabama fans right now are seemingly beside themselves about their offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. This has been going on now for a little while, uh, dating back to the month of November at least. Uh, Bama fans were not happy at all with the way in which the Bama offense performed in the national championship game, held to a meager point total, well below what the uh, season average had been. And it is an important reminder for UGA fans that <laughs> the same kind of like you know, intramural squabbles that y'all get into. Other fan bases are kind of doing the same kind of thing. There are a lot of folks that hope Bill O'Brien will just choose to leave. At one point in time, it seemed like he might become the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, back in the AFC South again after formerly being head coach there with the Houston Texans. And now it appears that's probably not going to happen. Mike Roffler reporting from NFL Network that while O'Brien did interview for the job, it seems like they may be moving in a different direction there with that. But it's kind of left to wonder, you know, is O'Brien going to take another job? And would Saban do anything to fight for him if he had that chance to? And my, my guess is they'd be happy to let O'Brien leave if he had a chance to, A, because there seems to be a pretty impressive crop of guys waiting in the wings to replace O'Brien if he were to move on. There's been some rumor about Adam, Adam Gaze, former NFL head coach, things like that. So so the O'Brien thing for the remainder of this offseason is going to be pretty interesting, both in terms of does he stay, does he go, and how will Alabama fans react if he chooses to stay? This has been kind of a, 
a little bit of a restless fan base now for a couple of years. For a while, there was a lot of attention focused on Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator. He was kind of the scapegoat. Now some of that has seemed to kind of move in the direction of uh, Bill O'Brien here a little bit. So the national runner-up, maybe not all joy in Mudville there with that bunch right now either. We talked to you about this yesterday on SEC Country Live, follow-up from the story we reported on yesterday. I say that as if I'm Walter Cronkite. You, we just talk about stuff around here. But um, uh, Miami seemingly going after Kendall Bryles, the Arkansas OC. But apparently either this is the kind of thing that O'Brien, I should say that Bryles has rejected or maybe was never really all that much of a candidate for anyway. Jacob Davis, who runs the Arkansas site for SB Nation, put out on Twitter that I've been told that Kendall Bryles has turned down the offer to be offensive coordinator at Miami and he's going to stay at Arkansas. And I have no idea who Jacob Davis is. He's got a blue check next to his name, whatever that's worth. Uh, we'll see if the other Arkansas folks are going to report this same thing related to this. There is some chatter coming out of the Miami circles. Hold everything. We never offered the job to Bryles anyway. There is... <laughs> It's, it's almost like, you remember the thing a few years ago with like Eddie Grand and was he offered the Georgia offensive coordinator job or not? There's a little bit of uh, Eddie Grand type thing going on here with the Bryles Miami thing, at least a little bit. It, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but um, this is not really SEC related, but it is kind of interesting that there have been a lot of guys connected to this Miami OC job that haven't really come to pass. Like the Joe Brady thing was very loud for a moment. Whatever happened to that? The Kendall Bryles thing was very loud. That seems to have gone away. I believe the Toledo head coach turned down the chance to go be Miami offensive coordinator. And this is not an insignificant discussion, just given the fact that with Mario Cristobal, who is the brand new Miami coach, when he was at Oregon, that was the one thing that probably held Oregon back from having you know great success. They just didn't have very much going on offensively. They brought in Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State head coach, tried to provide that. Just wasn't really able to do that. So uh, worth watching here for an Arkansas team that's really surprised two years in a row under Sam Pittman, maybe set up for even more success in 2022, brought in a bunch of transfers. Jaden Hazelwood, obviously, maybe the most prominent name on that list, and maybe now for a second consecutive offseason, winning a big battle to hold on to a coordinator there as well. So it looks like right now Kendall Bryles may be sticking at Arkansas, and we'll make that, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Uh, let me also give a shout out to my friends at Classic City Lager here. Of course, there have been a lot of times lately where I just want to feel like I need a beer. And when I need a beer, I want something simple. I just want good cold beer. I mentioned this a little earlier. We had a blast this past Saturday at the Creature Comforts uh, Brewing uh, uh a brew house there in Athens, right there on Hancock Avenue, kind of on the other side of downtown. It's the old snow tire facility. So much fun there on Saturday. And let me tell you, the Creature Comforts uh, Classic City Lager was flowing. And a lot of you are like, boy, I wish I could have been there in Athens to enjoy that. And I wish you could have been there too. But just remember, you don't have to be in Athens to enjoy some Classic City Lager. It's a lager-style you know, beer, uh, craft-style lager from our friends at Creature Comforts. And you can pick it up. Uh, anywhere you're doing your shopping. This isn't a seasonal brew. It's available all year long in cans. Six-pack variety, 12-pack variety. I put a 12-pack of uh, Classic City Lager cans underneath my uh, shoulder and toted that out last week when I left the Creature Comforts facility. And so if you couldn't have been there to do that, you can pick some up wherever you're doing your shopping. So check out Classic City Lager today. It is just good cold beer. All right, let me just kind of say one more thing here before we get ready to wrap up uh, the program here today. One of the retorts that... I sometimes get when I tell people that there is a level of hysteria about the Georgia offense that doesn't match reality. One of the uh, retorts that I sometimes get to that is, 
well, B.A., Georgia had a historic defense this year. Next year, the defense is not going to be as quite as good, and uh, Georgia's going to have to you know, be better offensively. I mean, maybe that's true, but let me ask you an honest question here. How far off do you expect the defense to drop? And I mean that literally. Like, how far off do you expect it to drop? Obviously, you lose a lot off this 2021 team, but there's a little bit of a track record in place for Georgia here. Dogs allow just 10.2 points per game this year. Uh, you know, dogs were 16th in the country in 2020, averaging 20 points per game allowed. And that's not as great as the typical Georgia standard, but it's also a pandemic year in which really nobody was playing much in the way of defense. You go back to 2019 for a moment. Uh, Georgia was also first in the country, the same way they were this year, in terms of points allowed per game at 12.6. 2018, not quite as good, but they were, you know, 14th, averaging uh, just 19.2 points per game allowed. Go back to 2017. Once again, this is a Georgia team that was, what, sixth in the country, allowing just 16.4 points per game. In other words, you got a five-year track record here of Georgia playing a very stout version of defense. Now, there's no denying the 2021 version was the best of that at all because of where they rushed the passer primarily. But still, even in a pandemic year, Georgia's still only averaging about 20 points per game allowed, and there's never been a year in which they weren't top 20 nationally in terms of um, what they're yielding per game. Three times they've been in the top 10. Twice they've been number one overall. So this is still a team next season that expects to have a very good defense and hopes to build off of the offensive success that uh, Todd Munkin enjoyed this past year. But ultimately, you kind of are left to wonder – is this still going to be enough for people? In other words, one of the things I get concerned sometimes about is there's a pocket of people that are just kind of a little bit more interested in kind of the Instagram highlight version of college football. They actually don't like to watch the full 60 minutes of the game. They kind of like the version of football that exists within a Madden video game screen, more so than the version of football that exists in front of their eyes in real life. But ultimately, the recipe for how you build a national championship is the way in which Georgia did that this year. The reason why we know that? Because it worked. They are the national champions. And next season, I can't promise you that Georgia wins it again, but I can promise you this, as Kirby Smart said after the 2017 season, they're not going anywhere. Georgia will be a national championship contender with a very good shot to still be playing deep in the month of January. Who will all those names be on that roster? As of right now, we don't know. Will there be transfers coming in to match some of the transfers going out? Almost certainly. Will Georgia still be very much in the thick of the national championship conversation next year? Hard to imagine it won't be, given the track record that's been put together on both sides of the ball here in recent years. All right, so a couple of things as we get ready to say goodbye to you. In honor of... (laughs) The folks who just sort of need a little bit of a reminder in a day like this of what's actually going on. Let me give you this for a golden shoe winner here today. I thought this was funny. It comes from Kirby's Visor on Twitter. <laughs> it's Bennett riding off in the sunset on the uh, on the Alabama elephant here. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is the conquering hero. Who was the guy? Was the Ottoman Empire that's right around the elephants? Is that, is that right from history? Uh, that's kind of what Stetson Bennett looks like right there. Riding off in the sunset, having toppled Alabama. As I said a little earlier in the show, scoreboard in his favor, scoreboard in Kirby Smart's favor. What a time to be a dog fan. Good stuff from Kirby's visor on that. We'll make him golden shoe winner today. And I'll try to do a few more golden shoes tomorrow because I've had a lot of good stuff coming in. We'll try to do a little bit of a shoes dump tomorrow. How about Gator Hater Updater? It's been 4,760 days since those lousy, stinking Gators have won a national championship. Always important to remember that. And back in Jacksonville, Gator Hater Countdown. Dogs heading there 200. 
82 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will see you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, I'm out the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Den. Of course, you can check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. Um, just real quick here today, because this kind of broke as we were doing the show, and we give kind of a shout-out here. Five-star Georgia defensive line signee Mikael Williams wins the Maxwell National Player of the Year honor. Uh, what a great ride that Mikael went on the final stage of his high school career. You saw him be really the most talked-about player leading in the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, and then obviously now winning this National Player of the Year honor. And one of the things we've talked about before is the way in which, uh, you know, a guy like N'Kobe Dean kind of lived with that that label of being the the next Roquan Smith and ultimately lived into that and really maybe even exceeded the accomplishments of Roquan Smith at Georgia. Well, I think that Mikel pretty quickly is being tabbed as the next Trayvon Walker. Excuse me. And Walker's going to go on to have, you know, a bright future in the NFL, going to be a very high first-round pick. And Mikael Williams, because of the way that he looks, because of the position that he plays, is going to get a lot of that same kind of stuff. And so if you're a Georgia fan, you need a reminder that the future is bright. This kind of honor for a guy like Mikel on the heels of his high school career coming to an end is certainly an example of that. So we'll leave it at that for our podcast cool down here today. Of course, always appreciate your feedback um, at dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily. Always enjoy it when you weigh in. We appreciate R.S. Andrews making this portion of the show possible and as I've mentioned now a couple of days, for those of you who are uh, have had some issues with the show there on dognation.com, hopefully the insertion of the YouTube broadcast into that post is making it a little bit easier for you. So make sure you uh, check that out, and hopefully let me know how that's working out for you if you want. And we'll see you tomorrow. R.S. Andrews Cooldown on the podcast, and then, of course, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Have a great day, everybody.